Thank you for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast, where we discuss design, innovation, and all things concrete. Hello, Jeff Gerard. Good morning, Caleb Blossom. How are you doing? <laughs> and welcome to everybody I'm, watching us. I'm good. How are you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, you're, it's you're been watching, a good in the future or in the past. Right. <laughs> this is previously re-recorded or recorded. <laughs> did, we, did we record it some other time? No, yeah. this is. Uh, you know, it's funny because we did the live thing for a while, mm -hmm. and it is honestly kind of stressful to not be able to shift anything yeah um you know and so i'm not saying you can't join us you you absolutely can uh, but if you want to you're gonna have to reach out to me and or jeff and ask us when we're recording because it it does change um and if you are a youtube subscriber i just want to apologize real fast because i have been my life has been a little bit crazy and uh I finally got everything updated um, yesterday, so we are 100% up to date. Uh, we also added a plug into the website that auto-populates the YouTube um, playlist, the podcast playlist, so you can, and that's right on the homepage. It may look a little funky on mobile right now. I'm working on that, uh, just FYI. Um, growing pains, right? Growing pains, yeah. Uh, but um, but everything is now 100% up to date. If you've been on Apple or, or Spotify, you've been up to date. Um, but I apologize for the, uh, for the YouTube's a totally different, like eight extra steps and, you know, the last few I've been on the road or whatever. And so I'm like, okay, well I can publish it right now on Spotify. And so I just do that. And then, uh, and then yeah, I have failed to, to get to the rest of it because, um, my life is insane, but we're back. We're, you know, uh, on the heels of a couple great weeks. Uh, my dog's whining in the background uh, because he inevitably needs to poop as soon as I get in to the shop, oh, which is cool. It's every day, Jeff. It's every day. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, what I'm honestly going to do, because I would like to keep recording, is I'm going to wait till Chris gets here and he's going to take the dog out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh man, we got a cool. We got a cool, very, very philosophical topic, and I actually have an outline. Uh, because this is really important stuff that Jeff and I um, have been I, talking I, about. I have the copy of it too. If you can kind of yeah. see it in the glasses, it's yeah, right there. <laughs> uh, it's this is a philosophy episode. We've we've covered a lot of um, you know materials and uh, you know technical. what we can do with the mix and technical stuff. But this is a this is totally a philosophy thing, right? So. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what we're calling the episode yet, uh, but, you know, we talked a lot months ago about authenticity in our, um, you know, business dealings and how you're going to bark then, uh, and, and, and in our, you know, philosophy of business. Um, and now I think... Things like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, we've talked about what we can do with the alpha ad mix and, and of course, the upcoming blended mix and the, the uh, fluidizer, super plasticizer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and how great they are, right? They are great. They're wonderful. I use them in my business every day. I'm very excited about them, um, you know, and, and you know, the level of detail and quality you can get out of them and all of that. But then it's, it got us talking about why. Um, because we want to have quality materials and we do we want to mm -hmm. have 
um, a, a, you know, you want to make your life as easy as you can as an artisan because you know this is not a hard, this is not an easy job, right? This is a this is a hard thing that we do. But then so, there's a level of of craftsmanship every, that we want to embody. CCI is about everything CCI has always done, is doing, and will always do is provide the best tools. Information is a tool, education is a tool, materials are a tool, and of course tools are tools. They're what you it's what you do with them that matters. Yeah. But if you have an imperfect tool, you can't create the uh, imperfect the, the wrong word it's because uh, i mean i don't think there's a anything flawed, perfect a flawed right. tool there you go that's better tool. a poorly designed a um misguided or misinformed intentionally or otherwise piece of information if you are if you want to go from a to b let's say you're traveling you go on vacation somewhere and you're visiting a different state, a different country, wherever, different planet, and you want to go someplace you've read about, you've heard about, you know about, but you don't know how to get there. And you stop and ask somebody who's more knowledgeable about the local area than you are. How do we get from A to B? How do we get where I want to go? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they give you bad information, if they give you misguided information if they give you misleading information you're not going to get where you want to go you're going to yeah. be frustrated you're going to be you're going to waste time and but all this is just a tool right what we're going to talk about today has nothing to do with the tools it's all about what you can do want to do what your customers want to do what is not necessarily what is possible but why and why is the hardest question to ask why yeah. would you want to do this versus something else yeah so what we're discussing today at the heart um is the 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 deep the deep-rooted connection between authenticity emotion and our materials because jeff you say it all the time concrete is an emotional material it's um it, it's evocative right um yes. And I mean, those of us who work with it know, I, I have a friend who, um, who, you know, has lovingly given it a name and because concrete's fickle and it's just, it's funny, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, well, there we go again with this guy, right? Um, and, and if you, again, if you work with concrete, you know, it has a, a mind of its own sometimes. I mean, I've told the story. I poured a two inch thick island one time, happened to be a full moon, it's a pretty fluid mix. And uh, I got a, a ring of sand just right in the middle of the, of the island. Um, totally out of my control, right? I just poured it. And I didn't even pour, like, you might be thinking, oh, well, he poured it right in that section and it, no, no. I poured it from like the corner over there and the ring was there and it was sand, it was wild. Um, and so there are elements of this material that we are not in control of. And honestly, that's what I like about it. You know, it's, um, Jeff and I were talking yesterday and we kind of drew the connection between, and I've drawn, the, I've, I've made various analogies around bourbon for a long time, but I think this one's particularly different because it's like, um, 
go find uh, Grey Goose vodka, right? Is is what ten times distilled or something, literally, in order to get rid of all of the flavor. Um, so you you take this mash of whatever the case may be, potatoes or corn or uh, whatever they make vodka out of, right, other whatever. than potatoes, um, and you you distill and you distill and you distill and you distill and you distill until there is just nothing left. Grain alcohol, right? There's it's just a, a an intoxicating substance. It's all it is. It has no other point. It's not supposed to impart any flavor whatsoever, and that's the goal. Perfection. Um, if you're listening and not watching, I'm putting air quotes. Air quotes. Perfection. Yeah. And confetti, apparently. No um, confetti. I didn't either. I don't. I don't know what this is all. Yeah, I don't know. It's something with. Because uh, if I do this, I get a thumbs up. Wait, bubbles. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why it does that. But anyway, um, and so the, the question becomes, do you want to give your clients grain alcohol with all of the soul stripped out of them, stripped out of it? Or do you want to give your clients bourbon and dogs about to uh, bark? And, and you could replace this with any flavored spirit, right? Mezcal. For its smoke, I mean, the whole point of mezcal is it's cooked underground in a specific region of Mexico in order to gain the smoky flavor. It's cooked underground with leaves, right? It's incredibly smoky, and that's what people love about it. Bourbon is made a specific way and then aged in barrels that you can't control, and the seasons are just, you know, what they are. And um, and and that's it's why the there's a are stored in, in these big semi-ventilated barns that they rotate up because it's different temperatures and the seasons and and all that yeah. and, the, and when it's cool it pushes it out of the wood and when it's warm it draws it in or just the opposite so you know there's a subtle seasonal tidal effect inside the barrels and i don't drink bourbon but i've osmotically but you could you could start anytime i'll help you um and and uh, you I know can't i can't get it in my body <laughs> Because it violently ejected from your body at some point in your life, um, but uh, and and but I mean, it, it, honestly, that's the case. And, and hang on, Chris is about to walk in, so there's going to be some noise. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna mark I, this. You, and I, let me let me take over for while well, that's happening. Um, when I got started in all this in 1999, you know, again, I've been doing this for a long time. Not the longest. I don't claim to be the longest or anything like that. I was drawn to concrete because I read an article and I think at some point in an early podcast, I showed the, the actual the actual magazine that I saw read about Buddy Rhodes in. Um, and it the, just photos of his work resonated with me so deeply that I basically changed careers and started this whole thing and became somebody who really shaped and guided and still does the concrete countertop industry, the, the craft concrete industry, because we do so much more than concrete countertops anymore. Um, prior to this, I was, my hobby was woodworking. Like I was an engineer, I worked for the Navy, did work research stuff, right? And I needed an outlet for creativity, as a lot of people do. And so I had a little garage, I had a mass, and I still have a lot of my woodworking tools. And I used to do really small, cool stuff, make little stuff. Um, and what drew me to wood was that 
here's this natural material. And it wasn't because it was natural. It was just a, a material that a lot of us are familiar with. It's very tactile. It's very warm. You touch it, you see it, you use it. And I was drawn to not necessarily exotic woods, although I worked with mahogany and, and teak and koa, but I liked like cherry and maple and walnut because they were different colors. They had different grains. Oh, man, walnut they had different, is my favorite. There's a beautiful word in, in woodworking called cotoyancy. So when you look at a piece of real wood, that's, that's a highly good word. Cotoyancy. It's spelled with a C-H. And it's the shimmer that as you move a piece of wood, it shimmers. Uh. And it shimmers because the wood cells, they have shape, they have structure. Parts of them are optically different. Parts of them are physically different. And when you finish a piece of wood, those cells help reflect light in a certain way. So you get that little shimmer. It's called contoyancy. It gives it life, right? So Deriving that, from the French for shining like a cat's eye. There you go. Love it. And uh, very cool. descriptive, very appropriate. So I love how other languages have way better descriptors than we do. Oh, yeah. English is kind of brutal in that way kind sometimes. Terrible language. Um, so everything that I did in my work was about bringing that to life, to, to celebrate it. So yeah. I personally, this is personal choice, personal opinion, hate stains. Mm, stains mm -hmm. of wood are pigments. There's a difference between stains and dyes. Dyes are like watercolors that penetrate and don't obscure. Stains are, that's why you have to stir them, right? They're, they're like thin paint, if you will, that will. apply color to the top surface of wood and tends to muddy it. So you can keep applying stain over and over again, and you start to lose the grain. Now, that's not the case of all stains, but in most cases, it starts to obscure it. But also, you're taking one kind of wood, let's call it like pine, and trying to make it look like something else. Walnut, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to create fake walnut. So where's the authenticity there? Yes, I'm working with wood, but if I want well, to... Well, and yes, there's a, uh, there's a certain artistry in that, right? But... There, there are, I no, think... no, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying staining wood is bad. What I'm saying is... This sure, is a, this is an opinion piece, and this is a philosophy piece. So I think you can so share it, your opinion without I'm, I'm it getting, being, you I'm know. Getting, I'm going to get back to concrete, but the point with of this is is like, sure, if I have a budget and I have a material limitation, and I have a lot of woodwork to do, I'm going to buy inexpensive but good quality pine, let's say, and stain it a different color because I want a different color, right? Sure. But everybody knows. That's not real walnut, right? Uh -huh. So I'm not faking it. Uh, I can go buy a piece of Formica that looks like wood or granite. Nobody is going to be fooled by that and, and say, oh, look, that is a real piece of stone, for instance. They know, except in photos, that it's not real. But to now create something, let's do the opposite. Let's take a piece of beautiful wood. Let's let's carve a beautiful statue out of mahogany. And then let's paint it gloss white. 
Well, and, and that actually brings me to uh, a story, and I think I may have told the story before, so forgive me if you are a longtime listener and you've heard it, but um, my wife and I were remodeling our first house, and uh, we like to do, we like to furnish with a lot of antique furniture. Um, she loves antique furniture. Uh, it's, you know, and again, it's about the craftsmanship and the quality and certainly about the hunt for a good, you know, piece of furniture, right? But uh, we were at a, an antiques market called Renegers in um, uh, Lake Mary, Florida, Orlando area. Um, and uh, really big antiques market. If you're into it, into antiques, you might have heard of it because it's huge. But um, we found this set of, of white um, French doors that were windowed. They, you know, paned um, and they came together. I think I, it was like weeks ago. I told the story not months ago. So sorry. But um, so I'll get to the point. It was wood. We had it uh, sanded down to refinish it. Uh, we were going to have a stain put on it. And my, my woodworker called me and he was like, you're not going to stain this. I'm just, I'm not, I, I won't, I will not do it. It was mahogany um, and uh, under the paint. And so he was like, I'm not going to stain this. And that's just that. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciated that level of commitment to the authenticity of the material. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you were doing um, production work, so nobody be fooled. Jeff Gerard did a ton of production work. Um, and just because he doesn't do it anymore doesn't mean that he doesn't know how, what he's doing. So um, your tagline. I used to ride a, a lot, but I still can ride a bicycle. Right. Even though I haven't, haven't in, in years. I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah, My so. grandmother was a nurse. And uh, when she retired, she kept her nursing license until she was, I think she was 85 when she let it go. Um, and she still volunteered at the hospital and was still a nurse despite having not practiced in 20 years. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I would argue that her rounds at the hospital once every few months were not all that indifferent from Jeff's rounds at the studio, uh, when mm-hmm. we teach classes. So anyway, that's an aside, but your tagline Formworks was your company in Raleigh, mm-hmm. um, and and your tagline, if I remember correctly, was "Discover the warmth of concrete." Yes. Um, and I think you know your your philosophy around that, and and this is again the heart of this episode was. This is an evocative material that is emotional in nature, and so what we're we are okay. We're not selling, honestly. I mean, this is the crazy. We're not selling the concrete. We're selling no. how the concrete makes our clients feel. We're selling how it makes us feel, you know? And so it, it concrete contains this unique character that totally and completely transcends functionality. Like it's functional, obviously, but I don't know of another material that you can put as a countertop. Like, I don't know of other countertop materials that actually draw emotion the way that concrete does. When I uh, I did a 22-foot marbled dining table uh, years ago, and the first thing anybody wanted to do was touch it. Yeah. Don't, you don't do that with, with, with granite. You don't go, ooh, I got to feel it. No, you do it with concrete. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. I, I, had a, I just installed a um, – maybe some of you saw it. I could probably pull up the pictures. But I, I – installed a a teal um two level we're gonna call it a water slide sink so um it was built for a a kid's bathroom ada compliant all that fun stuff um and uh it was it started at adult level um 
and then had a slope down slope down i don't know how wide my camera so the drain was in the low um, part drain was in the low section uh, cool. where the kids are and so you have two faucets one in the high section one in the low section one for the kids one for the adults um we're gonna have a real hard this is at my church we're gonna have a real hard time keeping dads out of there i think but um because <laughs> we're all actually children uh but um but you know as soon as cars in there i know i know see <laughs> or little boats, little, little like, boats, uh, yeah. yeah, little, little paper boats. Um, but, uh, immediately, and this is what I, I mean, this is like the, the whole essence of why I do this. Right. Um, the moment that the folks at the church saw it, they were like, Oh my gosh. And they were like touching it and like yeah. feeling it and like looking at all the detail. And there's a lot of cool variation. Now I poured this piece, you know, um, so it's got, minor pin i mean like five pinholes right uh in this whole 300 pound thing um but that so, wasn't the goal right that wasn't the goal uh the goal was authenticity and i think that concrete can do that and no one else can and that's the beauty of it so years ago i had a, <sighs> had a customer i did a, a kitchen and you you talked you spoke about terrazzo the the countertops were it it was terrazzo style <clears throat> but the all the glass was crushed recycled clear and mirror glass and it had a sprinkling and, and the concrete itself was black so it was basically black glass and mirror terrazzo right it's just chock full of glass as much as you can and sprinkled within it were some um there's a a natural stone i think it was I'm going back. This is going back about 20 years, literally 20 years. DMC yellow number one. It's a terrazzo stone. It's a standard terrazzo stone. It's like a buttery yellow. It looks like butter. That's the color of the stone. It's a little crushed piece of stone, and, and the client wanted those sprinkled in. They actually look quite nice, right? And for those of you who have never done terrazzo or exposed aggregate concrete, um, <clears throat> it's a lot of work, right? You, you have to, you cast your piece and then you grind. So you're using a cup grinder to expose, you know, if you're using big chunks of stone and glass, you got to grind a lot to expose the cross section. So it looks like you have big chunks of stone and glass. And then, um, and then you switch from a cup wheel to 50 grit, and then you flatten everything out and remove all the gouges and the undulations from that. And then you do hundred grit to remove all the 50 grit scratches and further refine the surface. And then you go to 200 grit and then you stop because you don't polish it because there's it's going to stain. So then, then you seal it. So it's a lot of work and it's very messy and it's very time consuming. So that's why a lot of people are not drawn to terrazzo because it's a pain in the butt. And, and anytime, anytime you cut into the concrete surface, once you get past that cream finish, you reveal all the beauty of, and the wonder and the chaos of what's inside it. Yep. Because again, concrete's not a uniform uh, homogeneous material. It's made of right. sand and cement and all those other good things. So we did these beautiful black countertops, beautiful because the client liked them. Like, I don't care what they look like. I don't have to look at them. Once they're out of my shop, they can enjoy them. I'm making something for somebody who is passionate about what I can do for them. But this particular client was 
quite particular, but didn't quite have the right perspective. So she's, she happened to be a, a, a lady. Um, she was the, the customer who was driving this, the, the, the design choices. Um, mm -hmm. Beautiful, very busy concrete, right? And when I went to template in her kitchen were these beautiful um, shaker style uh, maple cabinets that had um, a buttercream wash finish on them. So the same kind of color of the stone, that's why they picked that stone. And it's, you know, the color of a stick of butter, but it's not opaque. It's not like it's painted, but it's not a transparent stain. It's a semi-translucent stain. So you could still see a little bit of the grain of the wood through it. And, and maple doesn't have a pronounced grain to begin with. So this is very subtle. I mean, from across the room, it looked uniform, but as you got closer to it, you could see, cool, there's grain, it's wood. I can tell that's, that's some kind of wood, right? And the first thing she said when I met her and we were, I had finished templating, she's walking me through her kitchen, telling me exactly what she wants in terms of the final visions of, she had some custom embedment things she wanted to place. She was complaining about all these streaks in the wood. The grain. So the grain <laughs> of the wood. Yet she was bragging that these were solid maple cabinets. Okay, why don't you just get MDF cabinets that were painted? Because if you didn't like the lines, which were the grain, which were the indications of the solid wood, why not just get MDF that's painted? Because you didn't right. you just wanted it to be uniform. So I guess the point there is you had authenticity but then you didn't like it. Well, and, and, and that, like that too, right. You had a, that big fireplace that ended up being painted. Yeah. That was really frustrating. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, well, that's did the a, flip did side a... of, you know, the, the, we'll call it the, the risk of authenticity, the risk yeah. of revealing the naked nature of the material we work with. We, yeah. as artists, yeah. as people celebrate, we, are passionate about revealing, like that's why I never do a cream finish. The worst finish in the world because it's super fragile, very difficult to do. And then once you scratch it, you can never fix it's it. Over. And then there's there's very little, so I mean, you might as well paint concrete, right? That's what it looks right. like, concrete. But once you grind into it and you expose the sand, now you see the chaotic turbulence of what happens within the piece as you cast it. Like you're having a frozen moment in history right there. And that's my opinion, yeah. of course. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with that opinion, um, you know, because so I want to compare kind of what we're talking about, our philosophy and approach to this material that we love, um, which is not to say bad craftsmanship. OK, so I just want to make that really clear right now that embracing the the natural and chaotic nature of the material does not equate bad craftsmanship. So if you're using it as an excuse, like if you chip something and then just like, ah, that's concrete. No, 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 no. If you chip something and repair it and it's, and it's, you know, the repair is quality and you can see the repair, that's concrete. That's different. So I think the difference between, you know, accepting a craftsmanship flaw as 
a material uh, as a material uh, artifact of the process, not acceptable. Accepting an artifact of the process as an artifact of the process is acceptable, right? So, a concrete cracks, you know, as as a way of brushing off the fact that you know somebody gets a sidewalk or a patio and it's it's right. you know it cracks or it's full of map cracking or whatever, and and then the contractor just waves his hand and said, "Well, all concrete cracks. That's just what it does." That's right. that's a lame excuse. So that's not what we're talking about at all. What we're talking about is 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 the difference between so um, if any of you artisan or not have purchased a, a con again with the air quotes concrete uh, coffee table or what have you from a certain brand starting with R or starting with P. Um, yeah, one of them. Big uh, online furniture stores that mm-hmm. kind of. Sometimes one of them sells wares, the other one's in a barn, you know. Uh, but um, if you ever knock on it, it's like it's fiberglass coated in some sort of weird cement something, and if you, it's yeah. awful. It, they, it stains if you look at it. They don't. They don't care. They are just mass producing a thing that is uniform. Look. They're selling a look. They're not selling the feelings, right? Um, and that's the difference. So they're air quotes concrete is uniform. It is all one color. Often it's painted. One time I had a coffee table that a friend of mine wanted me to refinish because they had stained it. I put my polisher on it because I'm like, oh, it's concrete. I can, you know, polish it. Oh, no, no. It turned green. They had literally put an opaque stain or paint on it to make it look uniform. That is... That's the antithesis of what we're we're after here. That's the antithesis of authenticity. Um, and you know what? So what if if I got to spend an extra 30 minutes? If my profit margin is predicated on, on on not taking an extra 30 minutes, hour, two hours, six hours to grout, then I'm doing something wrong in my business. That should not mess your profit margin up because my profit margin should be good enough to uh, to to accommodate letting the concrete be authentic material. So there's a Japanese concept. We were talking about this and neither of us could remember the thing. So I looked it up. It's called wabi-sabi. Oh, there um, you go. That's what, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's the entire idea that, that we celebrate, not only accept, but we celebrate imperfection in, in materials. So um, approaching the beauty that's in the imperfection. Um, and that's, so, that's you know, a, it's a design philosophy that is very much in line with what many concrete artisans embrace. Yeah. Whether and so the concept is, mm-hmm. you know, you're at even sometimes they will make something. They'll spend years and years doing this unbelievable joinery. Right. And then they'll add a flaw. Um, yeah. And and so, again, bad craftsmanship, not acceptable. Concrete being concrete, totally acceptable. Um, right. And, and let, you know, let me, let me point out, here's a, here's an easy way to differentiate that or how to mentally wrap your head around what we're, we're saying. When I'm building a form, right, I'm in control. Well, I'm in control of as much as I can be. Right. So if I'm I, the materials I start building the form with are the first choice. Let's say I'm using melamine. OK, so it's <laughs> it's smooth. It's flat. A lot of melamine has a subtle texture to it. Um, but what I'm really getting, so that's that's a starting point, right? I'm not using uh, 
you know, OSB or just whatever exterior grade plywood or something, whatever. So I'm choosing my first choice is a surface that's 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 um, consistent and gives me the control over the shape and dimension. Because when I'm building a form, I want the shape, the geometry, the joinery of the forms to be the 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 hallmarks of my craftsmanship and my precision. Like, so if it's a right angle, it needs to be a right angle. If it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a certain dimension, a certain shape, a certain curvature, a certain texture, it's a it's deliberate, right? Yeah, yeah. Now let's so, talk about the concrete. Now the concrete, yeah. I I'm going to control my ingredients, whether it's a totally from scratch or whether it's a precisely. Jazz by the way, but it's precise, right? I'm weighing out my pigments. I'm weighing out my water. I'm weighing out all the all the ingredients. I'm mixing them carefully and consistently and thoroughly. I'm controlling what I can control. As I'm casting it, the casting process, I can control to some degree. If I'm spraying a mist coat with a hopper gun, I can kind of control a little bit, but you know how it comes out of the gun and all that, to some degree, chaos, right? Or if I'm direct casting it, I have, I'm pouring this liquid, so the viscosity of the liquid that's coming out, whether I mix it and cast it immediately, or if I mix it, let it sit and burp to let the air out, because that's why you let concrete sit in a mixer for a long time, no other reason, is you let the air come out. That's no secret there. Um, That's going to affect things. Do I put special things in the, do I put magical unicorn powder in the bottom of the forms to give texture? Do I cast over stuff? All right. So these are some things I control to some degree, but there's always an element that I'm counting on that I have to expect that of unpredictability. I don't know what it's going to look like. That's why we can never tell our customers, this is exactly what it's going to look like because this is approximate representation of what it might look like. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's, not like opening a can of paint and going, okay, it's going to be this color. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have a reasonable expectation of what it's going to look like due to my experience with the material, but it is not by any means exacting, you know? Um, so the embracing the, of that unpredictability, that chaos, that, that, that beautiful imperfection yeah. is the, the, the hallmark of what an artist does. So yeah. you, take a, you take an author who writes novels right? They spend their lifetime craft, you know, working on their craft, writing, finding the right word, bringing their vision. There aren't grammar errors, right? Right, right. But it's also not a Hallmark card. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. that's you know, an analogy know, that we were going to... Yeah, I like your, yours better. It's like, if you want to thank somebody, right? Hey, somebody did something nice for me. I want to thank you. I could go, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with Hallmark cards, by the way, right? For the moment, it's quick, it's easy, it's inexpensive, it's fast. It's, it's, it's fast food philosophy. You go to the store, the grocery store, you pick up the card, you go, that, 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 means, that, that evokes a spark of emotion, but it's momentary. And they're not yours. They're not your words. 
You're just picking them off the shelf. That's why it's hard to pick a card out so many times because it's like, oh man, ah, well, that one's close, right? So but what like, was your contrast to Yeah. That? So I feel like it's the difference between it's the difference between buying a card, not writing anything in it, and just handing it to somebody. And sitting down and intentionally writing a letter to that person. Um, And I I think that is really the essence of what we want to be as artisans and what CCI wants to help people embody um, in the selection of high quality ingredients and training. um, And then a philosophy of, you know, I'm writing every client a letter. That's honestly what I'm doing. Is every client my only client? No, but I am sitting down and writing every one of them a handwritten letter. Um, and I think, and, and I don't, I don't literally write them a letter. This is an analogy. My point is, um, but it, you know, you, you do because, well, I do, I leave my fingerprint on the thing, you know, the, the concrete, it's a, it's a moment in time, you know, the, the piece, every single piece tells the story of the moment in time that it was created. It, it, these are, you know, imperfections are not flaws. They are inherent. And I, that's the thing that's so, you know, I think if your craft is making perfect molds and, you know, let's, I'm going to, let's say you make sinks or you make, you know, what, I don't know, coffee tables, whatever. Um, Do doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. You make things and your, and your claim to fame, your deal, your passion is making the mold perfect. Totally respect it. I aim for that, that level of perfection myself. But then you feel this, this, this compulsion, this need to have the material exactly perfectly uniformly uh, reflect the mold. And so you pour something that does not have variation that uh, is, is a perfect replication of the mold. I got to ask you, why are you using concrete? Why are you striving so hard to make concrete do something, which you can do? I mean, all you know, golf clap, right? Props to you yeah. if that's your deal. But why? Can, like, please somebody explain to me why, if, if that's your goal. And again, everybody's different. This is not, I do not share your opinion. But if that's your deal, why are you using concrete, a material that is, that is in, its, in its essence, variable and beautiful as a result so if you're gonna why not use epoxy why not tint whatever you know material that will reflect it perfectly and pour that if it needs to be poured you know if your shapes are organic and you need it to be poured fine by all means there are uh resin-based terrazzos there are resin-based countertop materials there's all sorts of there's cultured marble like why aren't we doing that since you can use yeah. So why not do that? I mean, it'd make your life a whole lot easier if you could use a two-part thing that's going to be a perfect finish every single time without all this trouble. Why not just do that? You know? So, and so I think that goes against the philosophy. And if you hear my dog whining in the background, this is really funny. He does a thing. He's, he's old. He's turning 10 next month. And ever since he turned like eight, he whines and freaks out whenever adults have conversations. It's very weird. If you're having an adult level conversation and the tone sounds like it and you're like in a deep thing, he goes really, he's really weird. He's like, I can't handle, I can't handle the conflict. He's conflict averse. Um, 
So uh, there, there's there's another like an extension of that or a corollary to to your point, which is an extremely good one. It's like okay, if I want if I want a uh, a a perfectly I will pick a color, black, white, whatever, right? Absolutely uniform. Yeah. Zero variation, <laughs> zero character. There are lots of different ways to do it. Picking concrete is, I mean, that's a hard one. Okay, so cheers to you. You can, you can, you can ram or force fit a material to be what it's not. Um, the the flip side is. If your whole point of trying to make something absolutely uniform is that you're just too damn lazy to work on it, like all you want to do is get it in and out real quick, are you really an artist or are you just, you know, doing production injection molding? It is, you know, okay, I can mix up a material and then I don't have to do anything to it when it comes out of the mold and slap something on there to yeah well i mean it's like what what are you really making like is this you're just mass producing something well if you know if you have listened to me or watched me on instagram or facebook or listened to any comments i make i make a lot of i draw a lot of analogies to cars i like cars a lot um and so the new uh corvette really cool right uh it's beautiful they've made it rear-engined which is a philosophical bother to me, but that's another topic of conversation. Um, I think if you see it on the road and you didn't know what it was, you'd think Ferrari, right? Right. It comes pretty darn close, but Chevrolets are made on an assembly line with very little human input. Ferraris are all hand built. That's the difference. You know, even if you don't know, you know. If you're looking at the thing, if they're side by side, you can look at a Ferrari and tell that more love was put into it. I'm sorry, but you can't. And, and I mean, I know we're getting, we're getting, I mean, we're getting feisty here, but like, that's the point. That's, I did not become an artisan to, to pour resin into a mold and hope it comes out perfect. I became an artisan because I love the art. Yeah. And, and that is that. If the end game is to create a certain look with the least amount of effort, you're missing the point. The point and I totally of, get, I totally get making life easier on yourself. Process, like, right. The point yeah. is the process. And we're not saying that you have to waste time and spend years doing something or I'm exaggerating, right? Days doing something like we have quick production processes, like our process to, to kind of step back into the more technical side of things, you know, it, it's not tedious. It's not slow. It's not glacial. Like when I got started, the, the industry standard, the industry was like all 12 people that I knew personally. Um, six to eight weeks was very normal. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, okay, I've done a whole kitchen in now if you're doing kitchens right uh i you know there was an hgtv show i can't remember what it was called but my company uh, donated we were part of that and we did a whole kitchen in three days right you can do it was i happy about doing it no but you can do it right it could be done maybe not our best work but certainly good enough for the house flipping type 
style yeah. of thing it's doing. But when you're creating something very passionately, and I want to, I want to get to pointing people to Dylan's website just as a, as an mm. example, like one example of this. If if you think about yourself as an artist, of, and a lot of people use that term. Like I don't consider myself an artist. I will never. I've denied it. Like Buddy's always Buddy and Susan, um, his wife. Like, oh man, you're an artist. No, no, no. Don't call me an artist, Buddy. You're the artist. I'm. I'm just a good craftsperson, right? That's that's mm -hmm. as far as I will take it because I'm. I have a a bit of a sense of humility on that that aspect of things. Is like if somebody wants to call what I do art, great. That's their that's their choice. That's their opinion. But I'm certainly not going to put that label on because I want to elevate myself more than I think I deserve to be. That's neither here nor there. But when I am creating something, when I have a vision of something and I'm talking to a customer and that initial conversation is all about not just distilling, but fostering growing their their idea their passion they have this concept of what they want and there's a dialogue there's a there's a relationship that's forming because what i'm trying to do is get in their head and get in their heart and figure out what is it that they what is what is it that appeals to them because i'm mm -hmm. not making something for me i'm making something for them yeah. and i the more i know the more i can draw on what draws me to the material, what, you know, my experience, my expertise, my preferences, my prejudices with this material, um, yeah. that's going to all come together. And the piece I make for them is essentially an essence of their emotional reaction to, to the word concrete, to the concept of something made out of concrete. And it's going to be different for everybody. Like every artist does something different. Like, okay, here's a, here's make, a something I, that I, I just thought of. I can make paint, but I don't expect everybody who uses my paintbrushes or my paint to do the same thing. And it is not my place to say how that's used or what it should look like. Sure. So here, I, I just thought of something. So, um, well, one of the points I was going to make, so it's like when you choose concrete, whether this is whether you're a, a you know potential client, whether you are somebody who has it already, whether you are an artisan, you know, and and I say potential client not of mine necessarily, but of of the industry, right? Um, mm -hmm. When you choose concrete, you're making a statement about the value of authenticity and beauty of imperfe imperfection. Um, it reminds us of art in the human experience mm -hmm. and and i think so which kind of made me think about artists if you buy a van gogh or a renoir or a renoir i don't know how you pronounce that i'm sorry french renoir? in me are not renoir. um <laughs> if you buy a van gogh if you buy a matisse if you buy whatever you know people look back at their art at these 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 masters right um and they can kind of see, you know, in the history of this person's life, Van Gogh was a pretty troubled man, right? Um, and, and if you look back at his art, you can tell the period, and they call them periods, right? This, this is his dark period. This is his moody period. This is whatever period. 
it's like this is the kind of art he created at that time in his life. It was a moment in time, and it reflected his state at the time. And I think you're bringing up Dylan, and that's kind of what made me think of it, because Dylan is a true artist. I do not claim that I'm an artisan. If you want to think I'm an artist, I would love to be an artist, right? Like, that's cool. Uh, I actually aspire to to that. Um, but Dylan is like the definition of artist. And, you know, I feel like when we all look back, when we're all retired and we look back on our work, I'm going to be able to look at Dylan's installations and be like, oh, that was that. That was then. He was going through that then. Because he and I are good friends. We talk a lot. So I kind of, you know, and I think that to me is like a hallmark and just that is an unbelievable representation of what concrete can be. Dylan's all about the experimental finish. He's all about the crazy grout color. He's all about being a maverick artist who gives the client what he thinks is going to be best for them as an artist. Van Gogh didn't paint Starry Night on like because somebody told him to. Somebody bought it because he painted it. That's the difference. And so, you know, I think what we're getting at is that plastic perfection lacks soul. Yeah. We want we want mm. to help people see the beauty and the soul of concrete. I, I think Walmart. it's I can go to Walmart and buy plastic perfection. You could go to Walmart and buy a print of 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 a Van Gogh painting. It's not the same thing. It's right. it lacks the soul that the original has. You can't go buy a Mona Lisa reprint and have the same feeling as when you see it in the Louvre. You can't go get a a, a fake piece of a statue of Michelangelo's David and have the same reaction. It's not possible. Right. Right. I want to show something. There's a and, and if you're on our mailing list, you just you probably saw a bigger picture of this went out a couple of days ago. Uh, this is a piece that. Uh, Dylan did a couple years ago for a big design project in Western Virginia. And I think this this really sums up the, the reaction of people to his work um, spe specifically, but concrete in general. And I'm going to share this. So this is from his his Facebook page from his um, from his site. And so it's uh, Reston Metro Plaza. And uh, so you see this big red O? I, this piece is so, so good. This, it, 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 the, the statue was commissioned uh, by the client uh, and it was big love. Then love it's, emerges, I believe is what he called then it. Then love emerges, right? So all the letters are concrete, the base bases are concrete. And uh, you know, I helped him with, you know, how are you gonna support it? Floating on uh, stainless steel threaded rods. All this and that, right? When he was done installing this, there was a wedding that was, they were taking photos someplace else on the property. The bride and groom saw this and said, we want our photos taken in this. So this piece had just been installed and it was completely spontaneous. So here's somebody passionate about recording a very important moment in their life. And what do they choose as the setting? What do they choose as the background? Yeah. Right. And well, and, and if you look, if you zoom in, if you look at it, like this is Dylan well, I'm, I'm, 
specializes find, in yeah they're, they're celebrating still in, the right there, there's, yeah. there's, there's, <laughs> in but that's the o right the big o that's as he calls it the big o <laughs> You know, so it's red concrete, but it's also red terrazzo. There's glass in there. And then there's other colors of grout. Um, all those colors are spaces. Those are voids. Those are what people, you know, there's it's a, there's a trend now, which is kind of a resurgent of somehow being afraid of pinners. You know, no pinners. Why? You can't see me. I'm doing air quotes. I'm going to stop sharing. Um, I'm going to go back to me. Like, no And again, pinners. it's... Like, why are you afraid you know, of pinholes? That's where the character comes from. Well, or because they don't, they don't, invest in it's time. a time consuming thing, right? It's, it's the philosophy I think is, and I get it. I, I, I do this for a living every day. Like I yeah. make client projects every single day. Mm-hmm. I totally get the aversion to grouting. I'm not like, I'm not sitting here thinking, Oh, you're ridiculous for thinking that you did. No, I get it. I do. I really, really do. I don't, I don't, you know, it sometimes feels like a waste of time, but when you realize, oh, well, and, and certainly again, if you want it, you can get it. I, I, I poured a lamp in rapid set yesterday that has zero. I, that I, it can be done. I, you know, you do it in rapid set, you can do it in port, like it can be done and it's not, you know, it's not mixed specific, but again, why? Because if you really get into the material science, the grout is almost never going to perfectly match the material. Now there's a little, uh, and so you're going to get this is one variation, of silly little silicon mold things you can buy. It's you know it's one of these. Mm-hmm. You got to have that one. It's just a cream finish, right? It's a little dodecahedron cream finish. All right, cool. It's concrete. I know it's concrete because I'm holding it. But I put it on my shelf. But put it back on the shelf. You're not going to be able to tell. But the bowl or the the shade or whatever it is on the top of your shelf, you can tell that's concrete. This is my award winning. <laughs> literally, it won, won an award. It's a it's a lampshade, right? It's concrete. Don't break right? it. Well, yeah, but it's also got birthday thingies in it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got silver leaf on the inside, but it's concrete. I mean, it's kind of hard to see, but. It'll upload perfect. good. It is perfect. Well, and that, uh, so, you know, I totally, as an artisan, I get the draw of not having to grout, right? I do. Yeah. I really, really do. And I want to, I want you to know as a listener, I identify with you, but I also, from a philosophical standpoint, think that maybe, just maybe, we should consider that there's a place for it. And, and I've mentioned in, in this podcast a couple of times, I don't get to do that because my clients like the variation. And I would posit that yours do too. And that I think people don't come to concrete because it's more convenient or it's cheaper or it's competitive or it's whatever. They come to concrete because they love it. They come to concrete because they crave it. They yearn for it. Right. Like Here's a you piece can, of... Porcelain tile, right? Mass produced. It's got variation because of the gla- the the glaze they used, right? But it's machine produced. Well, but so- that's a, that's a good point. I, I had a I, I told this funny story a while back. I had to match this Who's, kind of purpley pink color. Uh, it's not quite empty, but it's made by um, 
silo knoll pottery here in North Carolina, right? Handmade, hand finished. Yeah, I had to match a color many, one time. And... How much time went into doing this? All right. So, yeah. Mass production, art, craft, right? Handmade, right? So, do you want to be making this? Is this what concrete is to you? Or is this what concrete is to you? Yeah, I, I so I was about to say I um I, I had to match a pinkish purplish color a while back, and when I got mm -hmm. there to install the thing, the 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 tiles that I matched were glazed, and they were all shades of that color. And so it's like, why did I try so hard? Um, and then it, it reminds me of you were saying North Carolina pottery. There's a company here in Asheville called East Fork. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you've seen the pottery; it's gotten very popular. It's been in Dwell Magazine, blah 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 blah, um, and it used to be all handmade and. Lauren, my wife and I were uh, somewhere recently. We were in Highlands, um, and the pot, the, the the dinnerware at the restaurant at the hotel we were at um, was East Fork pottery. We were like, "Oh, this is really cool, Asheville, whatever. This is great." But then we looked at it, and we were like, "These are machine made. They're not handmade anymore." And it lost it lost the it lost it for us. Oh, you have some, um, and I think that we are. Buddy Rhodes. Buddy Rhodes That's made amazing. this. Right? Hey, buddy, if you're listening to this, where's mine? I haven't gotten one yet. <laughs> no. He hasn't sent me a coffee this is, cup. This is the most precious cup, mug, piece. I would drink I from it every day. Why? I mean, it's... Because it's a handwritten letter from somebody you care about. That's why. This is a handwritten letter. It was, a, it was handmade. It was a gift. There's intention and passion in this yeah that and those are the things that we treasure in life so imagine if a large installation in your home or in your client's home were a handwritten letter as opposed to a hallmark card that's the essence of what we're getting at is like can you get the hallmark card sure you can no problem if you really want it you can have it why yeah and that is we want to bring the soul back into the material we want to we want to celebrate the fusion of craftsmanship and emotion, and we mm -hmm. want to show you how beautiful that can be in a real artist studio here in Canton, North Carolina. Yeah. So, and I I don't want to move away from this f philosophical topic, but I want to provide context because context is a very important thing to us. CCI is all about technical fundamentals providing you with the best tools that you can you have access to why why am i so concerned about teaching you the fundamentals of concrete mix design not how some youtube wannabe person thinks it is but how the concrete industry really says it is why are structural elements so important. Why is post-tensioning supposed to be done a certain way, not by the way somebody thinks it is? Why are some, why do we sell, why have I created certain sealers a certain way? Because of, there's, there's a reason for that. There's always an, there always should be a reason and answer to the question why. Okay. Right. All that being said, we want to give you, we give you and we always will give you the best tools so that 
when you choose to create, when yeah. you choose to embrace your passion and go through the, 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 the crucible of creating something for somebody, the end result is something that you are going to be proud of. You're going to be happy about your customers going to be very satisfied and it's going to last. And it's going and to the craftsmanship is going to be excellent. Exactly. So they're just vehicles to get you where you want to be to yeah. express with confidence that this beautiful craftsmanship is going to last many, many years ago. And we're talking like probably 30 years ago. Um, I was in the San Diego zoo. I used to live in California. And so I was visiting my cousin down in San Diego and went to the San Diego zoo. And part of that was this big pavilion. There was a world fair there. I don't know when early 1900s, late 1800s, something like that. I don't know. And there was all these beautiful buildings, just gorgeous architecture, you know, turn of the prior century architecture, beautiful. And all this craftsmanship was essentially, they were struggling to preserve it because it was made for the World's Fair and it was all temporary. It was like mm. plaster and paper mache and this and that, maybe not really, but the point was it wasn't made to last. Right. It was made for a moment in time and then it just now it's like okay so you poured all that passion into creating something unbelievably gorgeous that people more than a century later are still very passionate about and yet you used flawed tools to get there now it was right. intentional there because they didn't it wasn't meant to last but if you are deceiving yourself and thinking I'm going to use the flawed tool to create something beautiful and expect it to last. Expect my customer to be satisfied with it. To want to go reread that novel for the fourth time in my life because it resonates with me. If you're using flawed tools, flawed materials, flawed processes, flawed ideals, that where are you really going to get where you want to go? Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's this has been a very. Uh... It's why I got to do. This is why I got to into doing what I do: crafting, mm -hmm. creating first with wood and now with concrete. And now yeah. I teach people. I don't teach them how to mimic me. I never teach people how to do something and say this is this is what you should be doing. Well, it's the whole teach a man to fish thing. Place. Like if all I do is give you a bag of something and say it's the best thing since since sliced bread, which apparently not everybody knows what that phrase means, which is very odd to me. I, well, no, I, I'm not like, have you heard that phrase before? Yeah. Best thing since people, sliced bread? People know, because back in the old days, when you, hey, you made your own bed, you didn't go buy it. And then when you went to a store, they didn't have sliced bread. You sliced your own bread. Well, so yeah, and, and, but it's just, it, yeah, I said something. Bread. Yeah, yeah, I, we don't. We make artisan bread. You got to slice it. Um, but my point, in, and this, this is, that was total aside. Like I, I said a phrase and somebody <laughs> was like, what do you mean? I'm like, wait, have I, you're older than me. How do you not know that phrase? Why right. are you taking this literally? That doesn't make any sense. Neither here nor there. Uh, the phrase means this is a really cool thing. Okay. Well, this is the, this is the hallmark of convenience. Yes. 
So it's one thing to come to, to a shop and, and be taught to use a specific product for a specific thing and base your business on that. It's another thing entirely to come to a shop and learn a material that you then make your own. And that's what we want to offer you. That's what we do offer you. That's what CCI has been offering you for 20 years next month. Holy yeah. crap. Um, 20 years. Yeah. With that said, uh, we have workshops coming up. Yeah. Um, as you know, February full um, was full. And uh, well, this is a past tense was, even though it's a pretense was, right? Um, <laughs> uh, end of we April. We got end of April, uh, which is already filling up. Um, we've got, uh, so April 29th through May the 3rd. Um, and I, oh my gosh, it's going to be, it's going to, I said this a while ago, but it's like my favorite thing because right now you can't see it, but it's kind of gray. It's dull. It's overcast. It's winter. Right. And it's not actually that cold. It's 58 outside. Uh, no, that's a lot. It's 43 outside. It's going to be 58, but it just looks kind of dreary because it's winter. Um, in spring, it looks like CSI Miami, you know, that, that sepia tone green. It's wild. You know, it, I, I don't understand how green can be that Leaves green. Are, trees are it's budding. Awesome. I, it's I got a bush in my front yard. It's already got buds on it. Yeah, we have some tulips coming up and I'm like, y'all, yeah. it's you're, not, you're, you can't you're do like, that yet. You're, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. uh, that there's a, a saying around here that you shouldn't plant anything before Mother's Day because there's going to be a freeze. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spring in the Mountains is beautiful. So April 29th through May the 3rd, come on, join us. It's going to be awesome. Um, and then uh, October 14th through 18th. And I said on a previous podcast that it would be kind of funny. And I, I made a prediction that um, that maybe there would be some other classes that just happened upon our dates. Um, and it happened. And I bet you it'll happen again and again and again, which is going to be kind uh -huh. of funny. Yeah. Um, so and watch for it, October 14th and through 18th. will always do that. I mean, well, it's, I've been, you do this there, there thing and then you project it onto other people and it's, it's not pretty, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Um, so April 29th through May the 3rd, ultimate craft concrete workshop, uh, October 14th through 18th, 2024, um, ultimate concrete craft concrete workshop. Come, bring yourself, bring in a, a willingness to learn the beauty that is concrete as it's meant to be yeah yeah um yeah i think that's Great a good place good stand. good place as any yeah well thanks for that's where us. we stand y'all uh and uh and we're really excited to continue to to work with this um unbelievable material wabi sabi as they say yeah as they say cool <laughs> all right we'll see stuff. you next time take care Thanks for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast. If you liked the content and want to hear more, please like and subscribe. Uh, feel free to follow us on YouTube as well as Instagram, Facebook, and check out the website, www.concretecountertopinstitute.com. And of course, we'd love to see you at one of our upcoming classes. Tune in next week for more informative content. Thanks.